Hello, and thank you so much for joining us. It is episode three of the Yes Have Some podcast. As promised, it is the episode 65 million years in the making. In fact, you could probably call it a Jurassic episode. That's right, we are talking all things Jurassic Park. In fact, we talked so much that this is just going to be part one of a two-part series. Not really a series, but a series is like more than two, I think. I'm going to have to look that up. But don't worry, there's going to be two parts of this episode. Listen to the first one. Let us know what you think. It's going to be a good time. So sit back, relax. We're going to Jurassic Park. I hope you like helicopters. Because that's the only way you can get there. Do you want some uh, coffee, Mr. Tully? Do I? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for episode three of Yes, Have Some podcast. My name is Craig Goldberg. I am here tonight, as always, with my co-hosts, Abigail Gardner. What's up, guys? And Jacob Walsh. Hello, John. Oh! Oh, oh, already. Out the gate. John, that hurt. (laughs) Hello, John. Um, And Mr... Mr. Richard Attenborough or Lord, was he something? Was he a knight? What was he? Yeah, he, uh, he was all of the above. Okay, so Sir Richard Attenborough is I can't even say his name. Well, he's not here because he's dead. Oh, maybe we can get his brother on the show. Ah, his brother. Who was his brother? David, the guy who does all the like BBC um, voiceover stuff. Okay. Okay. There you I could go. be. I could be making that up, but I'm pretty sure that's his brother. I don't think he's going to come on our show. It. Yeah. Right. Um, cool. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, as promised, we're going to be talking about all things Jurassic Park. Um, we're kind of going with like a loose potluck format. Uh, there's so much to cover. I don't even really know where to start because there's four movies, two books, more movies coming. One book on tape. Actually, two <laughs> books on tape. Multiple. We have them. Uh, there's a lot. And we're big Jurassic Park fans. Jacob, you are the biggest Jurassic Park fan. I could be. And as we teased last week, you recently converted your car into... Well, I'm not going to be able to explain it. Why don't, you, why don't you tell us what you did to your car? Um, I mean, uh, I, I have a a Mazda two and it was a black Mazda two. And, um, I, it now looks like one of the explorers from Jurassic park. Um, our good friend, Michael Kosky has a, a vinyl business. Um, and I, I went up to his house for the weekend and we spent two days turning my car into a Jurassic park car. And it looks really good. It, it looks sweet good. Rap. He, he did an amazing job. Yeah, he did a really good job. We'll put up some pictures so people can see. Um, is that getting you some extra attention when you go out? Getting and about? some looks. I've I've had a couple people look at it. I've caught some people taking some pictures, that kind of thing. But uh, haven't had it for very long yet. So hey, uh, the next happening. time, the next time somebody takes a picture, you should go up to them and grab their phone. And as we talked about last week, just pull your best <laughs> Bill Murray and just throw their phone down the street. Look them dead in the eye and go, "Don't you fucking do that again." <laughs> this is not for your enjoyment. It's for mine. Go away. 
<laughs> they're like, hey, why is your car like that? Because that's what they always ask whenever you have a car uh, decorated as some sort of uh, movie theme, uh, whether it be Jurassic Park or Ghostbusters. People never say, hey, I like your car. They go, they go, hey, have you seen Jurassic Park? <laughs> like that guy recently who asked yeah. us if we'd seen, uh, if we were familiar with Stay Puff, the Marshmallow Man, Guys, after you know they saw the new ghost on the car. <laughs> I was so, like, oh, no. I, uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah, I went to get my tire changed, and there's a huge Ghostbusters logo on the back of my car. And Abby's literally wearing a, a go- GB2 jacket. A Ghostbusters 2 jacket. Thank you, Jake. And uh, <laughs> the guy looks at us and goes, Hey, have you ever seen that movie Ghostbusters? You know that part where the Marshmallow Man comes out? I was like, Hey, I see that you have a tire business. Do you know how cars have tires? You know how that works? <laughs> I, I love when those people are like, I love when those people are like, hey, you know they're making a new one, right? And I want to be like, what? They are? No. Uh-huh. You just punch them? Did not know that. Grab their phone out of their pocket and throw it as far as you can. <laughs> they're like, why did you do Turn that? Turn your flash off. You're like, hey, why did you do that? And, uh. You're like, just in case you decided to take any pictures, this is a precautionary measure. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that happens. I think uh, it happens sometimes. our listeners are going to realize quickly that uh, we're obsessed with the notion of taking somebody's cell phone and just launching it down the road. It feels good. Have you? Th- I know you've thrown a phone. Oh, it's, I've thrown it's, a phone. It's a good feeling. Jake, have you ever <laughs> thrown a immediate we've, regret. We've all... We've all thrown phones, I think. You get so mad, it just it does feel good when you release the phone, but then like as it's traveling through the air, especially if it's your own, you're like, "Fuck, this is a bad idea." It's like it's like if you had that high speed camera from MythBusters. As soon as the phone leaves your hand, the face turns into like, "Oh "Oh my god, what did I just do?" (laughs) That phone costs six hundred dollars. You're like, you have another phone out, calling your insurance company. Or the phone company <laughs> to before see if you have insurance that. before it even hits the ground. <laughs> yeah. Um, I definitely don't have insurance. No. I, I don't have do. insurance on my phone. Never. I do, but they kind of tricked me into getting in. I just never shit it off. So. <laughs> uh, they promised you Jurassic Park merchandise if you got uh, insurance. Yeah, they did. And that was an incentive, yeah. They They have spared expense. So. <laughs> well, that's going to be a good segue because uh, last week we didn't do uh, – on episode two, we didn't do the I'm stressed segment. Uh, we kind of abandoned it after uh, one episode. And we had a couple people actually reach out and say, hey, we really like hearing uh, what you people are stressing about. So um, I think we should bring it back this week. What do you guys think? For sure. Yeah, I'm super stressed. So <laughs> I'm open to talk about it. Okay, cool. Uh, well, Jake, you are the uh, resident Jurassic Park uh experts so why don't you go ahead and tell us uh what is stressing you out jurassic park related this week i will um the thing that's stressing me out right now is uh chronicle collectibles um you may have heard of them they put out the terror dog um the really fancy one right so chronicle collectibles for just real quick uh they're a high-end uh collectibles group they get uh, licenses like Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Terminator, and they put out really nice uh, statues and busts. Super We're talking awesome payment stuff. plans, yeah. Oh yeah, nice stuff. Uh, but they have recently gotten the licensing for Jurassic Park, and uh, they've already put out 
um, a bust of the male Rex from the lost world, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but one of the guys was on a, another podcast recently. And, um, they talked about all this really cool stuff that they have coming out. Um, as far as like statues, they're working on a statue of the Rex breaking out of the pen. Mm-hmm. They have like, um, hot toys, like, figures of grant coming out and Mm. owen Mm. and just like they have a whole line of of jurassic park stuff they're working on and uh it's really stressing me the fuck out because Mm. i am gonna want all of it um and i'm gonna have to you know sell whatever i'm gonna need to sell uh, a kidney or whatever so I can somebody else's kidney. Someone else's kidney. Whatever. I'll. I don't care. It's not my kidney. You're if like cutting wants over. To buy it. You gotta then go they to a can party. Take it. You gotta get the bathtub full of ice. Yeah. yeah. Make a and friend. I'm, make a couple friends. And dude. And dude. I'm not even gonna ask full price for the kidney. Just like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. You know. Just like I don't know. Six seven hundred bucks. Let me get a cool. You know. Tyrannosaurus Rex statue. Um, I feel like whosoever kidney you steal is they're gonna understand. They'll they'll know where I'm when coming they see from. That they'll Owen. probably just give it to me. Yeah, when they I get it. When they see that one six scale Owen figure, they're gonna be like, "Well, you probably need that more than I need my kidney." <laughs> it's stressing me out though because in the world of like collectibles and toys, there aren't many really really nice high end Jurassic Park things out there. You would think there would be, um, but there aren't. And then these guys do a really great job, and they're about they're about to fuck it up. They're about to do so much good, awesome Jurassic Park stuff. Uh, and I'm going to need all of it. And that's stressing me out. Yeah. And I will completely agree with what you just said. Um, as a Jurassic Park toy fan or toy collector over the years, there's been a lot of releases of, um, you know, the actual dinosaur action figures. And there's been some statues and busts. Um, but there hasn't been really good, high quality uh, character figures. So. Chronicle recently announced that they're going to at least be starting off with Hot Toys style uh, one six scale figures of uh, Alan Grant and uh, Owen from Jurassic World. Uh, so those are going to both be really incredible. And uh, I have a feeling, Jake, you won't be the only person in this group who's uh, selling stuff, who's going to be selling <laughs> human body parts to acquire some of these brand new uh, Jurassic Park uh, action figures. Right, right. Well, very cool. Thank you for uh, letting us know. Uh, we'll keep everyone. Thank you for your stress. Yeah, thanks for stressing. <laughs> it's good. For sure. I, I, needed, I needed to spread the stress. You know, it feels good to get it out. It does. And that's what this is really all about. If it you is. guys haven't figured this out, this is a therapy it's session. That's therapy. all it is. That's all it is. Free we therapy. Can't afford, yeah, we us. can't afford real therapists because we buy toys. <laughs> yeah, we so buy toys. We just have to do this. It actually disgusts me all the stuff I could actually afford. And people like I work with, they know. Like when I'm like, oh, there's no way I could afford that. They're like, aren't you currently paying $600 for a terror dog from Chronicle <laughs> Collectibles? And I'm like, wait a minute. That's like totally besides the point. <laughs> You're just going to have to. <laughs> Stop uh, being rational. Yeah. Right. Quit catching me off guard with your facts. So anyways. Um, well, thanks, Jake. That's awesome. Appreciate you. Uh, I, already, I, already, I already thanked you. I don't need to thank you again. No. We um, really appreciate you. We, no, we really appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jake, thanks. All right. <clears throat> Abigail, 
Jurassic Park. You told me that you have been just diving in lately. You've rewatched all the movies recently. I did. It was a crash course. Well, not a crash course. It wasn't a viewing. A re-crash course. Yeah. Well, tell me. This is the question. What is stressing you out? Just, you know, let me... I guess I should just get it out there. Um, I love Jurassic Park. It's one of my favorite movies. Um... I love Jake. He's one of my favorite people. Um, <laughs> I did not love Jurassic World, and I like a lot of parts of it. One of my least favorite parts was the character Claire Deering, and um, Bryce Dallas Howard played her. And as I am talking and sweating nervously, Jake has a tattoo of Bryce Dallas Howard as Claire Deering on his hand. And I see it every time that we hang out, and I get super stressed because I legitimately disliked her character so much so that it irked me to the point of not being able to enjoy that movie to its full extent. And when I went back and viewed it today in its entirety, it was still nagging at me how much I disliked her. And it makes me feel bad because she has a beautiful haircut, and I love (laughs) Jake's tattoo, and I have wanted to talk about this and i made a huge facebook post when i initially like i craig you and i when we saw this movie we legitimately had fights for like a week about this because i just was grappling with the fact that i didn't enjoy it in the same way that other people seem to enjoy it it obviously made a shitload of money um it had great special effects it was shiny and amazing and we got to see the park fully functioning which was really cool but there was just for me, a, like a lack of character development or characters that I latched onto the way that I latched onto those original characters. And therefore, Jurassic World is just like this weird thing that I have a very strange relationship with. And it stresses me the fuck out to think about. I loved parts of it, but I really dislike parts of it. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what's stressing me out. Just getting, I'm still stressed talking about it because I feel like a bad person because everybody else loved it. Well, hold on. Let me interject. You are. I'm a bad person. <laughs> Guys, I'm a, I am. I must be. Listen. I feel look, terrible. I, I know, I know we were going to, let's talk about it for a minute. Okay. I know, I know this, we might be. Do we need, like, this is what we'll do. Ready? I'm stressed about something too. I'm going to push mine to the end of the show because right now we should just dive into it. Let's talk Jurassic World. Let's start. It's fresh in everybody's minds. Well, not really. It's been out for a year. But it's, it's, not fr- that fresh. it's fresh in our minds. It's still on the shelves at Target. There you go. Jake, take it away, man. Let me let me tell you, Abby, you, you don't don't feel bad because I mean, it's you're you're right. I mean, it's not it's not Jurassic Park. And I don't know. I I've watched Jurassic World a lot. I've seen it. I mean, Jurassic Park is one of the movies, is one of the top three movies that I've seen more than any other movie in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jurassic World, since it's been out, I've watched it a lot. We throw it on up at the shop constantly. Like, it's constantly on. And there have been a couple times we have watched Jurassic Park and jumped straight into Jurassic World Mm -hmm. and just skipped two and three. And that's a weird experience to have because I I enjoy Jurassic World. I kind of went into it... um, knowing that it wasn't going to be Jurassic Park. I one one of the major things that bums me out about it is that it's almost 100% CGI. Mm. And but I knew that well before the movie came out. So I was kind of able to hold back a little bit and uh there it's definitely not like it's got tons of huge problems. So like don't feel bad about there a lot of people really hate it. 
a lot of people hate it. Um, but you got to think about it's better than Jurassic Park three. Right? <laughs> I totally agree. Right? Yeah, I it is better than Jurassic Park three. And and one of the things of that I wanted to talk about in talking about Jurassic Park is like how good the dialogue is and how well written the movie is and how a lot of the conversation seems like real conversation that scientists and paleontologists would actually be having. Um, and Jurassic world doesn't have any of that. Yeah, you're absolutely (laughs) right. It's, it's all like, like the the conversation in Jurassic world is fluff. That depends on what kind of dinosaur they cooked up in there. Yeah. It's written to get you from one dinosaur attack to the next dinosaur attack. Um, and that's one of, the, yeah, that's just one of the things that's, that's really weird and, and not as good about Jurassic world. Right. But it's a little unfair, I think. And I do kind of go into things in an idealistic way and I, I have very high hopes and I love Chris Pratt. And that was one of the things going into the movie that, um, I think I maybe had my hopes set a little too high. I was riding that Guardians of the Galaxy wave. Um, right. I was very in love with him. Um, I had just gotten a cardboard cutout of him in my house. Um, and I think that I was really expecting to see him in a similar form. Um, comedically, I felt like his like his lines weren't that great in Jurassic World. I didn't feel like I laughed as much as I wanted to. Um, and... Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, here's my thing with Jurassic World. So, I actually really like Jurassic World, um, but I can't watch it and say I'm comparing it to the first movie, or the second movie, or the third movie. To me, it kind of exists on its own, um, but I'm a sucker for the nostalgia, and I watched the first one recently, right? Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler and Ian Malcolm, those are phenomenally written characters and they play their roles. Those actors kick ass and there's a lot of subtlety and just, I was just watching literally before we went on the scene with, um, Grant with, uh, Lex and Tim in the trees where he's holding them it's my favorite scene. and they're having that conversation before they fall asleep and the kids are worried uh, about the dinosaurs coming back and Grant tells them that he'll stay up all night. There's so much emotion packed into that one scene. And you're right, Jake and Abby. You don't get that in Jurassic World. You don't get that level of emotion. Jurassic World exists to be nostalgic and to reignite the franchise and to be what movies were and are in 2015 and 2016. Mm-hmm. Big spectacles. Um, the movie made a ton of money and it was a lot of fun, but it's it's never going to be the original and that's okay with me because I don't need it to be the original. I just need it to be entertaining. Right. I think something they can do now that that movie's out and, and was so insanely popular. Like you're, you're right. They used it as a springboard to get Jurassic park back in everybody's brains and get everyone excited about it. And there's so many like callbacks and, you know, you see all this stuff from the original park yeah. And it like makes you there. There are things in that movie that make you a bit emotional if you're a huge fan of the original. And they they completely did that shit on purpose, obviously, you know, to get you into it. But maybe now that this movie's out and it's made some money and they're going to move forward and make another one, maybe they can tone it down a little bit. And maybe this next movie isn't, you know, the big thing in this movie was like the Indominus Rex, you know, which kind of takes it takes the feel something that was so great about Jurassic Park is that they're, they're living animals. They're not just these monsters. Mm -hmm. And 
it's not that's not what it is in Jurassic World because this is a monster at this point. It's not it's a made up creature. It's not a, a dinosaur anymore. Exactly. He, I mean, he they says refer it. to it as not being a dinosaur. Yeah, it's right, not a dinosaur. So it turns it into like a monster movie, and you know. Maybe they can come back with the next one and maybe ground it a little more and kind of slow it down a little bit. But that's a conversation for later in the podcast. Um, yeah, and I and I don't know if they will. I think they're going to go full. Wait, this is a perfect opportunity for me to talk about what I'm stressed yeah, about. Yeah, just do it. I was going to wait. I had to do mine, and I am still stressed about it. So. I, I was going to wait till later. So this is what I'm stressed about. When I came out of Jurassic World, I had the best idea for the fifth movie. And I'm stressed because I don't think they're going to um, use my idea. <laughs> one, because no one's called and asked me for it. Um, and I haven't volunteered this information. So this is what oh, I'm they're listening. I'm gonna, yeah, just post it on their Facebook. I'm putting this out into the world right now. This is my idea for the fifth Jurassic Park. Uh, there's going to be plenty of plot holes. and None of it's going to make sense. But it's coming from a good place. So Jurassic World, one of the main kind of uh, themes that ran throughout the whole movie uh, was the thought of militarizing the dinosaurs, specifically the raptors, right? So as the movie progresses, we see the whole thing unfold, and it kind of leaves that part up in the air that, you know, Dr. Wu leaves, and he's probably going to still try to cash in on this because he's turned out to not be that trustworthy of a guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you kind of get the feeling that uh, those third parties are going to be selling this technology. We're going to refer to the dinosaurs as this new technology to the military, right? Mm -hmm. So here's my idea. Opening scene, Jurassic world. It's kind of a play on saving private Ryan, like Normandy beach. We're talking about (laughs) like a, like a war. As a matter of fact, I think Steven Spielberg should direct it. Yeah. Let's go further. I think it should be a direct remake of saving private Ryan, but with velociraptors. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, saving private beta and blue. (laughs) No, it's not going to be that. So this is it. It's like a military scene, Normandy beach, the invasion. We are in the middle of basically world war three, right? You see the, uh, the boats coming in Mm -hmm. and you see kind of the heads of the soldiers, right? And they're coming in and it's like the shaky cam and the storm and probably Tom Hanks is there. Right? Yeah. He's going to be. He's terrified. Yeah. yeah, and he's shouting in his Tom Hanks voice, and he's like, well, you know, whatever. Is he leading them? Or he's is he leading. on the shores? He's uh, not on the shore. He's on the boat. Okay. Very. We're just thinking Save a Private Ryan. I'm just describing the opening scene at this right. point. Um, so they're coming in, and you kind of see that cutaway on the beach, and you, you see that there's soldiers all over the beach, like opposing soldiers from whatever country we're fighting uh, or whatever terrorist organization has taken over the beach. Um, and then the boats, you know, the, the front panel of the boats come down and instead of us military fucking dinosaurs, just tons of we're full dino riders, dinosaurs <laughs> with like contraptions and machines and people riding dinosaurs, dinosaurs, riding motorcycles, probably dinosaurs riding motorcycles just for the hell of it. And they're invading on the beach. That's what I'm saying. Are you guys with me on this at all? You're you're kind of stressing me out. I, I'm getting stressed. I don't like war movies. Can I be you're, honest? I haven't even seen all of Saving Private Ryan. I've only seen that first scene. So yeah, let me let me tell you why you're stressing me out. Because Jurassic World was kind of so batshit insane <laughs> that I believe that if the right person heard you say what you just said, 
that would be the move. Like it's, I feel like it's, we're not far off from getting something like that. Okay. So, so what you're saying is we're all on the same page. We like this idea. Okay. Sounds like a solid (laughs) toy line. Yeah. (laughs) I like this plan. Uh, so yeah, now that's a little far fetched. I do think we're going to see militarized dinosaurs. I think that, one of the main plot points of most 90s action movies is the thought of the uh, technology or the weapon falling into the wrong hands. I want to see velociraptors and a T-Rex and other carnivorous dinosaurs fall into the wrong hands. Even dinosaurs. Executing terrorist plots in America, but instead of like pipe bombs and mass but then shootings. then the dinosaurs rise up and kick the ass of the terrorist organization in the end and win for everybody? No, this is what it is. The United States is, we're training all the herbivores. Oh, we're training them. Okay, I got lost. Okay. Got <laughs> no, you. we're just training the vegetarian uh, gotcha. millennial dinosaurs. Veggiesaurus. And they're going to go up against can you guys see where the plot holes are starting here? I'm, yes. Yeah, I see. Obviously I was lost. So you okay. thought way too much about this plot line, or maybe not enough, <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. I, mean, I think not probably, enough. Probably just as about as much as whoever wrote Jurassic World. Just enough. Okay, <laughs> hear me out. Last part. We can move on from this. Oh, okay. Imagine this, You're right? Dragging us back into the trenches. Back here. It's the streets of New York. You've got raptors, pterodactyls. You've got stegosaurus. Is that the plural? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so, but go for it. We're going with it. And it's just crazy, and it's war, and there's just gunfire and explosions, and then, like, the United States, we have... I'm going to stop. This is ridiculous. None of this is going to happen. It's getting crazy. We said we're going to talk about Jurassic Park. I think we should listen to Jake talk about Jurassic Park for a little (laughs) while. I'm ready to turn over the wheel, Jake. Yes, please take it. Are we talking about Jurassic Park? What what are we talking about? Let's talk about Jurassic Park. Okay, Um, let's take it back. Let's go wait way back let's go to 1993 the summer of jake yeah what let, what what were you doing in the summer of 93 who were you um you know the only thing i remember about that summer was seeing jurassic park i was eight years old um which i guess you guys were also eight also years eight, old yes i was 25 <laughs> <laughs> like yeah so i mean i don't remember much except for like making my mom take me to see jurassic park twice because you know that was back when you're eight you don't drive as much as much i didn't drive you don't drive as much when you're eight um (laughs) and like going to town like going to the movies was like a big event at that point and i had to like beg to to make that happen um but you're a fan you were already a fan of like monster movies in general yeah I was yeah. I'm I, well I've always seasoned. been super into dinosaurs and monsters and you know that's something that my mom probably thought that I would grow out of which is why she got rid of all my toys and now uh, feels bad that I'm buying back all those all back. toys. My mom got rid of my toys because she's a biatch. <laughs> she is. <laughs> Just kidding. Hi, Just mom. Just kidding. Love you, Marsh. <laughs> Love you, yeah, Mama Marsh. Yeah, because listening. Yeah, they are so listening. Hey, my mom could listen to this. No. Could no. she? No, she no. couldn't. No, Not for a million dollars could she figure this out. My mom just we, accepted we my friend request. We say fuck way too much. We Hey, we be cussing. We be cussing. <laughs> we love swearing. All right. Um, Back to, yes, what were we talking about? Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's what I was doing in 1993. What about you guys? Uh, Mostly taxes. I was driving. 
driving more than you. A little less than normal, but still driving. Yeah, summer '93. I do. I I remember. I remember the buildup. I remember it being very controversial. It was like Entertainment Tonight. Like, should your kids be seeing this movie? And the answer is a resounding yes. Your kids should be seeing Jurassic Park. Yeah, that was a big question in my household too. Uh, Gardner family. We were homeschooled. Um, very evangelical Christian. Um, pretty much every movie went through like a grid. My parents would read this like weekly or like a monthly thing called Plugged In, which still exists online. It's like a Christian review of like secular movies. Uh, secular being worldly, if you don't know what that so, is. So Jurassic Park had to go through a rigorous series of tests. Yeah, it did. It passed. I don't know how it passed. I think it's because it didn't, like, my parents were, evolution never made the cut. Like, if anything, educationally, that involved evolution. I remember legitimately, like, my first year of my private schooling at, like, a Christian school, we just skipped over the whole, every chapter that involved evolution in our history books. So, like, I still don't think I know all the facts about that stuff. Wait a minute. (laughs) They were teaching evolution in your history books? Um, science, yeah, I mean, yeah, because you had to know how the earth happened, like, how we all got here, so that's the very beginning. So, yeah. Because of the Bible. Because it's the Bible. I don't know about my education sometimes. Um, yeah, homeschool, Christians, I love them, um, I love my parents, but, yeah, I was really surprised that I got to see the movie. I really wanted to see it. Um, tune in this week as we discuss Jurassic Park. Here's one clip, Abigail. Christians, I love them. Christians! <laughs> I love you. Hey, mom. Um, no, God, <laughs> we're gonna have to. All right, there uh, might be some edits there's here. Gonna be some... Yeah, there is. But yeah, okay. So I was eight years old. Um, I remember bragging about the fact that I was going to see this movie to everyone in my science co-op. Um, and I remember specifically being very excited to tell Corey Cooper, this guy that I had a crush on, that I was going to be able to go see it. Um, and I remember going into the theater and just being just super amped um i was i was ready for this movie and it blew my mind uh i wanted to be lex's best friend i loved ellie sattler i was just so engrossed and so in love with this movie i remember um after seeing it just like wanting to get as much of it as i can um and being homeschooled and being um the raised the way we were we really didn't have a lot of action figures we weren't really like we didn't like collect stuff and have things that's why i do it nowadays um, but this was one movie that, like, I remember, um, begging my mom to buy the soundtrack for me, and she did, and I remember going up in my room and bending over my little Casio keyboard and listening to the soundtrack over and over and trying to recreate it, um, and just, in that, I still listen to that song, to the fucking, um, to John Williams, like, literally on a daily basis, I take John Williams baths and I listen to his soundtracks and they call me the fuck down and the Jurassic Park theme is fucking beautiful and I don't know how to play it right now but I wish I fucking could because I love it. Just want to let everyone know I also take John Williams baths <laughs> but not with his music just pictures. Just with the- <laughs> <laughs> he goes for the I, Abby, Abby I agree I think I think the Jurassic Park soundtrack is is the best thing that he's yes. ever written. I think Agreed. it's the be- I Better think out of everything Sorry, it's the best. Well what makes the soundtrack to Jurassic Park or the score I should say so iconic it's not just the main theme. You know every aspect of that score from mm-hmm. you know dun 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 like that just plays in my head on mm-hmm. a loop like yeah. almost daily mm-hmm. yeah it does i don't know why i felt the need to sing for everybody i enjoyed it it was beautiful thank you well i'll tell you what you guys uh more singing to come thank you i'm just gonna keep thanking you guys summer of 93 like i said i was pumped my grandfather 
Papa Wally, rest in peace. Miss you. Love you, Papa Wally. Love you, Papa Wally. Um, he took. <laughs> Why am I laughing? Why are you laughing? Appropriate. Okay. <clears throat> Anyways, he took me to see Jurassic Park uh, in '93, and I was—I don't know how to put this delicately. Um, I was a big old pussy, and uh, yeah, I got really scared. I was like eight years old too. It was scary. It yeah, was scary, scary, but the anticipation was scary because you just kept. Once the full preview was out and you started seeing shots of the T-Rex, like, I was pretty cool, like, the first, you know, 20 minutes of the movie. But once it was raining and the T-Rex was coming, I pulled my classic move. I used to be really scared of fireworks when I was a kid. And I would do this at baseball games. So, you know, when you go to, like, a baseball game, when they hit a home run, they would, like, have fireworks. Anytime I would go to a baseball game with my family, when there was, like, a known home run hitter up, I'd be like, I gotta go to the bathroom, and I would disappear for the whole Weak. inning. You you missed the T Rex, the scene in the rain. I missed some of it. I remember like peering around the corner because it's like you're a kid. It's that thing where you're deathly afraid of it, but, but you, you got it. It's like, uh, but you want it. Yes, you just need that T Rex. You gotta know. It was what's the going human on. centipede of eight year olds, which I still haven't seen, but I've read everything about because I gotta know. <laughs> Don't um, tell Chase. So yeah, summer '93 was huge. Obviously, Jurassic Park kind of changed. It was a big phenomenon, yeah. It was like the biggest thing since Jaws, right? Right. It's one of the first big sweeping things that I remember, like, before the Olympics, because that would be the next. But, yeah, 93, Jurassic Park, all the way. You know, another thing that was good, another thing that I remember about uh, Jurassic Park is, and it's something that um, we'll never experience again, and it's something that, I guess, kids growing up now don't get this anymore, but... Back, you know, back then, whenever um, not everybody had the internet or maybe, you know, no one had smartphones and you couldn't, you didn't know that a movie was being made before it even started getting made. And like back then, you didn't know that this movie was happening until you saw the trailer on TV, which usually doesn't happen until like a couple months before the movie comes out. And I can't even imagine not knowing that a movie is coming out until like two months before it comes out anymore. Like, you know, you know, a movie's being made as soon as that script gets written. Yeah. I mean, look so, at the new Ghostbusters movie. I mean, it's, you know, five months out and we've seen, Oh yeah. Nothing. 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 Um, but, but yeah, like I remember seeing uh, the Jurassic park trailer on TV for the first time and just being like, what the fuck is this? Just being like, what, where, what is this? Where did it come from? Why? What? Oh, give me more. I know. Yeah. yeah. And then it, watching that TBS special that came out after it. Just oh, with, yeah. like so much excitement, like cross-legged in front of the television, uh, learning about the cream spinach that they use when they, in the, when the scene up on the tree that we were just talking about when Lex gets sneezed on. So awesome. I latched onto that. I love her. So it was like the first time, like obviously the, the step up in special effects, that mixture of practical and digital effects that they use still looks it amazing looks than any of the other movies. It does. In my opinion. It, it has does. been coming up on 25 years. I was just watching the Blu-ray. It looks so good. Look yeah. at other nineties movies, independence day, Armageddon, even stuff in the last five years does not look as good as Jurassic park. Yeah. And it's because it's because one, um, you know, they made all the animatronics. They had a life-size T-Rex there. Like most of the time, you're seeing that T-Rex. It's a it's a real 
thing. Right. And uh, Steven Spielberg and all the special effects guys were smart enough and they knew enough. They knew when to use the yes. CGI. Like they, they didn't, they didn't like rely on it for every single thing like people do now. And they knew exactly which shots needed to be CGI. They knew exactly what they needed to film in order to make those CGI shots look the best. And, and it all still, there, there might be one or two things like, you know, maybe the Brachiosaurus sneeze doesn't look amazing, but, but it's still great. And I'm, but I mean, it's just like a tiny thing, everything else, like the first time you see that Brachiosaur, it's, it's complete daylight and it still looks amazing. And nowadays, if someone makes a movie with a monster or a dinosaur or anything or a creature, you better believe it's going to fucking be dark and raining the entire mm. time. Oh you yeah. You see that thing. We're talking to Pacific Rim. Yeah, sure exactly. Uh, but I mean, Pacific Rim was awesome, by the way. Um, oh, did I say Pacific yeah. Rim? I meant something else. <laughs> no, I mean, it was awesome, but it still does that. You know what I mean? Like, it's still dark most of the time you have your creatures on screen. Yeah, that movie's and, I mean, always dark in my it, house, as in not on. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and, and I mean the, the, the T-Rex, uh, when the T-Rex breaks out, which is probably like, you know, one of the greatest scenes in Most movie iconic, history. Yeah. It 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 is dark and it's raining, sure, but most of that is an animatronic T Rex and it looks amazing. And that was one of the things I hated about Jurassic World. The only thing that was an animatronic in Jurassic World was the dying head of the Apatosaur. Like that was the only, you know, physical thing in the movie. It's a really good scene too, right? Another thing that really stands out about Jurassic Park is the iconography, right? So everything from the um, the main gate to the oh, jeeps yeah. to the For explorers. Sure. I mean, the colors, the just that, yeah, just that the contrast of like the bright red and green of uh, the explorers versus like you know the tan and uh, deep red on the jeeps. Like those are just iconic car vehicles like right when you see them it's like i want that i want to drive that i want to have that i want the toys and that's the one thing that if you're gonna have a complaint about jurassic world um like just those plain silver mercedes bands like i get it i know it's supposed to be like a corporate sponsored park but it felt like you were at the mall like a little bit it's like yeah just look at i mean there's a reason why in 2016 jake a grown adult just turned his hatchback into a replica of the explorer it's because it's amazing. It's fucking tight. Yeah, that's the one right. that you want. Yeah. Good move, Jake. Yeah, good move, Jake. <laughs> Thanks for not getting a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> like a loser. Jake shows up, guys, I Jurassic parked my car. We go out and like, oh, cool. It's silver. We're not hanging out with Jake anymore. <laughs> There's a blue stripe. Wow, that's Good nice. job. Yeah, it was really hard to do. Um, So... I want to, I want to talk about a couple things that, uh, you know, like the things we talk about are, are things that always come up in conversation with Jurassic Park, but there's a couple things that like, I want to talk about John Hammond for a minute. Let's do yeah, it. Let's do it. The floor is yours. So this guy, like, you know, when you're, when you're a little younger and you watch Jurassic Park, he seems like such a, he's such a nice guy. He, he just wants everyone to be happy. He wants everybody to enjoy like the park but he's kind of insane. Like he's kind of a madman. Like he doesn't realize 
how stupid of an idea all of this is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he constantly talks about how much money everything costs. He, you know, he says spare no expense over and over. And it gets to a point where I feel like he's just trying to convince himself that he has spared no expense because he is obviously spared expense. Like the whole thing happens. Uh, whenever you get that, that conversation with Dennis Nedry and, um, you know, the guy who's paying him to uh, steal the dinosaurs, like he Dotson. says, Dotson. yeah, Dotson. he says, don't get cheap. That was Hammond's mistake. So like, yeah. is Hammond not paying these people? Yeah. Like he, he spent all the money on everything else, but he, he like doesn't really, you know, Jake, you know, I noticed that in, he was eating off brand ice cream in that scene. Uh, when the park, when everything's <laughs> he, going to shit, is. like the Titanic's he going is. down, it's not name brand. It's so not. I think he might have uh, spared some expense. He's 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 yeah, kind get of some a, bluebell, John. Dude, he's kind of he's kind of a liar. He's kind of like a trickster. I mean, that that conversation where they're eating their ice cream, he talks about how you know his first big thing was a flea circus, and he he sits here and he tells Ellie about how he tricked all these children into thinking this was a great thing, and it wasn't. He's and a he's doing character. he's doing the same thing with Jurassic Park. Like they're not even real dinosaurs if you get down to it. You know they're like right. cobbled together from other frog things. DNA. So he's kind of like I don't know. He's just so full of himself, and he's a little insane. And um, it also. Another thing that talks to how how much how little research he actually did when he hired his employees is Robert Muldoon. Like Muldoon seems like a badass and you know what what is what does John say when he pops up? He says this is the game my expert game warden from Kenya who knows more about raptors than anyone. But Robert Muldoon doesn't know shit about velociraptors because he is killed in the exact way that Grant spells out for you in the first five minutes of the movie. Like, like if Grant was there, he'd be like, no dude, there's probably another Raptor right here. And Muldoon doesn't know that because he, he might be a game warden and might hunt lions, but he doesn't know shit about velociraptors. So either he lied and like bullshitted his way into that job or John Hammond was just like, oh, he's a game warden. He's perfect. Spare no expense. Hire him. Yeah, like, yeah I would blame th- Hammond. There's like no background checks for any of these employees. They're all like shitty employees working at this park. Yeah, and it's funny you said that. So you know the scene uh, after they first tour the facility and they're out there um, at the raptor paddock and Grant and Muldoon are talking and Muldoon's like talking about how lethal the Raptors are and kind of explaining it to Grant. Like if you kind of look at Grant, he's like, yeah, I know. Like you people <laughs> I fucking know everything. There you is people are know. fucking stupid for even yeah. having Raptors here. Like you see it in Grant's eyes when yes. he finds out that the egg that just hatched is a Raptor. He's like, Oh shit, this is bad news. This is not a good thing. Right. Yeah. Right. And you know, when he, when he, when that egg hatches and he's like, Oh, this is a Velociraptor. He's like, what species is this? And then uh fucking Henry Wu is like, it's like it takes him. He doesn't even know. He's like, right. oh, he like looks at a chart and he's like, oh, it's a a, a velociraptor. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If you're breeding velociraptors, you fucking know that this is a yeah. velociraptor. And if you don't, you're an idiot. You've spent time with that egg. Yeah, you've spent time with that egg. It's like I'm surprised. It, it, it might as well have just been a what breed is that? 
but a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, yeah, exactly. High fives. I, I feel like in that conversation between Muldoon and Grant, when Muldoon's like, uh, you know, sixty miles, cheetah speed. It's he's just reciting the things that he's learned since he started working at the park. While he's like, been taking dentists out to shoot yeah. animals in South Africa. Exactly. <laughs> I learned this out on the Sahara. Well, he yeah. he got on the Velociraptor Wikipedia and just mm-hmm. did a little crash course before right. Grant showed up. That's all you got to do. He whipped his phone out. Jake <laughs> grabbed it and threw it. <laughs> just kidding. I feel like if John Hammond really wanted, like, you know, of course there aren't any people in the world who's ever actually dealt with velociraptors, obviously. But I feel like if you're going to hire for that kind of position, I feel like you hire two people. You hire the game warden and you also hire a paleontologist who knows anything about a dinosaur. Mm -hmm. Like Dr. Grant has never spent time with actual dinosaurs or lions or hunted or, you know, he's not a game warden, but he knew like way more than the person they actually hired for the job. Right. And it's actually really funny. Cause if you think of the time period that Jurassic Park takes place, like 93. So when Hammond shows up uh, in Montana, Grant and Ellie, like they don't even know who he is. Like he's the guy funding their whole dig. And they're like, who are you? Who's the yeah, jerk? I have no clue. And so nowadays it'd be like, hey, I've got this theme park opening, and they'd be like, yeah, yeah, dinosaurs, we're not going. That sounds really dangerous. <laughs> we right. heard about it. Right. Yeah, they somehow, he, he somehow keeps it a secret to them until they see the Brachiosaur. <laughs> they still don't know why they're there. Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Thatcher, welcome to Jurassic Park. Even dinosaur. You know, I don't know. I don't. Who knows what they think they're going to see, but it's like, it doesn't hit them until they see that brachiosaur right um yeah i completely agree with what you're saying about hammond and even in the scene so i was actually thinking about this so the scene where they're going to um power down everything to get the power to come back up um they're hesitant to do it right um samuel jackson's character doesn't want to do it because it's never been done before so somebody makes the decision to maybe uh, deny the dinosaurs of the Lysine, right? And they'll all die out within seven days. And Hammond's like, no, we're not doing that. We're not killing these dinosaurs. And then a couple seconds later, he's like, people are dying. And it's like, yeah, that's why we should kill these dinosaurs, John. Yeah, he also, whenever the phones come back on and Grant calls him and he's like, the phones are working. Then the raptor breaks through the glass and then... You you see a shot of John Hammond on the phone, and he hears the gunshots, uh-huh. and he yells, "Don't!" He's like telling Grant, "Hey, don't shoot that Velociraptor. That's coming to kill you right now." That's what he says. He says, "Don't." He's like, "Don't shoot my dinosaurs." Yeah, he's a little nuts. It's like where you fall in love with your creation. I mean, maybe he just wanted to make people happy, but he's definitely crazy. He's a little nuts. Yeah, and he was willing to kind of make ultimate sacrifices to achieve his dream probably because a bunch of people told him that you're not going to be able to do this so yeah i uh i kind of like where you're coming from on that one jake good good stuff there um yeah and yeah obviously anybody who's listening who wants to kind of get in on this discussion uh let us know hit us up on facebook or go to our website yeshalfsomecast.com send us an email send us a tweet at yhs podcast and uh, let us know what do you think of john hammond good bad would you date him would you want to call him grandpa if he was your grandpa would you kiss him (laughs) (laughs) i'd give him a little kiss 
Um, we're going pretty deep here on Jurassic Park, but let's keep it going. Uh, Jake, I want to hear Jake's theory. Yeah, Jake has a theory. Do you guys want to hear my theory? We okay, do want to hear your theory. All right, so have you guys read the book? I have read Jurassic I've Park. skimmed it. <laughs> Just being honest. Yeah. I've read um, it. I've read it twice, but it has been a decade and a half. There's a there's a lot and uh I um I reread the book recently. I say really recently like within the last year. I I reread the book and um you know, like most book to movies, there's there's way more going on. It, uh a lot of characters are different. There's all these other plots, but a big thing in the book and um the book starts out with this immediately before you know anything else. The first thing happening in the book is that dinosaurs are already getting off the island. Um, you you know, no one knows how, no one knows what's happening, but the book literally starts with like babies being attacked in their cribs on nearby yeah. islands from dinosaurs. And uh, there's even this whole section before Hammond shows up where somebody finds the remains of a dinosaur like being eaten by a monkey or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they study it, and they they actually send it to Grant. They like take it to Doctor Grant, and they're like, "Dude, this looks like a dinosaur." Dude, one of these got out, right? Yeah, they're like, "What?" They're like, "This looks like a dinosaur," and he's just like, "Where the hell? What the fuck is this? Where did it come from?" And then like that's when Hammond shows up to be like, "Hey, I'm taking you to vacation." But <laughs> I was watching Jurassic Park recently, and um, I guess because I just read the book. Uh, I had some ideas from the book, like in my head as I'm watching the movie. And I, I think I realized something and I don't know if this was done on purpose. I don't know if other people have caught up on this. I've never, I haven't seen it written anywhere else, but I think um, my theory is that the Dilophosaurs in the movie are already out. Okay. I think they're already, I think they're already out. They of weren't the there when they drove past them. The they're not there when they, that, yeah, that's the first thing. They're not there whenever they drive past. They, they don't see any. And uh, when you get to the when you get to the Nedry scene, um, the first time you see that Dilophosaur, his feet hit the ground as if he just jumped out of a tree. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I think that's what happened. I think the I think they didn't know what they were doing when they cloned these dinosaurs, and they don't know exactly what they're capable of. Um, and I think the Dilophosaurs are just climbing the trees and jumping the fences. The fence, <laughs> you know, they're in. In the movie, the Dilophosaurs are small. There's no way they're tearing through those fences, you know. And that Dilophosaur that um, that kills Nedry is out almost immediately. Like he shuts the he shuts the fence off. That dinosaur is out, and he's little. That little thing's not yeah. ripping through a fence. It's like a little gymnast. Those fucking assholes like are Grayson. already out. <laughs> I, yeah, I think the dinosaurs are already getting out of the fences. and um... Well, that's interesting, too, because it kind of opens up a deeper kind of philosophical question of, does it even matter that Nedry shut down the power? Was shit going to hit the fan? Shit was going to yeah. hit the fan. This it was, was gonna going to happen, happen anyway. Yeah, something was going to happen anyway. Um, and that's a big thing that's explored in the book. Um Dinosaurs are already getting out. Raptors are getting out. Yeah, they're already out. They're breeding already. And, you know, the people who... No matter what we try to do to contain it, life finds a way. Shit goes down. That kind Exactly. Of thing, right? Exactly. And uh, I don't know if that was something they were going to explore more in the movie. And maybe they didn't have time. And this, those those were the seeds of it. Mm-hmm. Or, or if I just, like, looking a little too far into it because I had read the book recently... Um, 
but I've never heard anybody talk about that, that that's a possibility, but I really yeah, think, I really I like think it. that's the, the truth. I think that's super plausible. And I think that, I mean, they make such a point, especially with the Velociraptors of talking about how smart they are and they drive that home throughout the course of all the movies that you got to think that they were going to be able to get out of those, uh, raptor paddocks i think they they were going to escape eventually um so it was a matter of time and yeah i think there's a good chance those dilophosaurs were uh getting out and roaming around and kind of doing their own thing um without any assistance from any they don't need anybody they do what they want yeah they're very independent totally the some something they independent don't talk women ab- yeah yes yeah, they, they were are. They are. female uh, some, something they don't talk about as much in in the movie is that like when they started cloning the dinosaurs, they didn't really know what was going to happen. And um, you know, it, like in the movie, the Dilophosaurus like spit that poison, yeah. um, but they don't they don't go beyond that. They're just like, oh, Dilophosaurus spit poison, which they didn't. But in the book, that was a that was a point that they made to be like, hey, we don't know everything about dinosaurs and if we try to bring them back there could be these unexpected side effects one which was that some of these dinosaurs were poisonous you know and like we didn't know that like in the book someone gets killed you know when they when they clone a dilophosaur because nobody knew like how could you know that they had they, they were spitting right, poison that like it was right or yeah it was just weird um so yeah, I mean, no one knew what they were capable of, and uh, you know, they could they could Nobody they could jump knows. some fences. Maybe they could dig out. Who knows? Like they're, yeah. they're, those dinosaurs are getting out, and they're gonna fuck yeah. shit up. Crafty. I could just see it. they're freaking out. Like, oh my god, the T Rex got out, and the T Rex was like, "I've been out since Tuesday." No, I've been I've been out. <laughs> I go out all the time. Yeah, you guys are just... going out. <laughs> He's like, dude, all you everyone... do is just like. Dude, if you just take a left down by the 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 paddock uh, yeah. gate, then yeah. there's just an opening there. That we go down to the guards. east dock. We go to the <laughs> east dock and we just hang. We dude, we cigarettes. dude. If you if you wait until six o'clock, you can jump on the boat. The boat comes back seven a.m. No one knows you're gone. Yeah, we're just hanging out in uh, San Jose, Costa Rica. Eat dude, go to go to the mainland, eat a couple babies, come back. Ooh, Nobody knows yeah, you're yeah. I got some good babies. hanging out with Dotson. <laughs> nobody pie. cares so um, listen here's the thing guys we've been talking about Jurassic Park for a while now but we have not said the words Ian Malcolm one time <laughs> we have and you got we have it and he's the thing that everyone talks about and too. It's, let's face it there's the characters in this movie are so well defined and I think it's uh case closed right this is jeff goldblum's best role they're they're his most memorable he kept it up the rest of his life so yeah (laughs) jeff goldblum is still in jurassic park except for in the lost world he's somebody else yeah we don't know what happened to him in that movie (laughs) who knows but seriously he had a daughter his life changed oh i was just saying that he was a completely different character right for sure. Yeah. And Craig, you're right about um, just like everybody kind of being on top of their game with the acting in Jurassic Park. Um, it's just like, you know, when you see when you see the Brachiosaur at the beginning, um, 
I mean, sure, it looks great and everything, but part of what makes that scene amazing is like the actors' reactions to the brachiosaur. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern, Alan Grant. I couldn't think of his name. Sam Neill. <laughs> Sam Neill. He's not Sam Neill. After Jurassic Park, he was Alan Grant. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, if I worked at is. Starbucks and he came in, I wouldn't even ask Alan him his Grant. name. I'd just write Grant. Yeah, it's Grant. Yeah. It's Alan Grant. And I'd be baby like, <laughs> I'd write baby smell. <laughs> baby smell. <laughs> it's true. I'd be like, uh, hey, I'm surprised uh, they got you out of Montana. <laughs> <laughs> he would he would have no idea what you're talking about. Right. What Another thing I love about Grant, let's, let's just break down Alan Grant real quick. Probably my favorite character of the whole series is Alan Grant. Same so here. there's the... There's the line where the guy at the beginning, when they're when they when they got the fossilized amber and they've got the mosquito, and he's like, "You'll never get Grant out of Montana." And then like two scenes later, he's clearly out of Montana. Grant's out of Montana. And he's then like there's that part. He goes in, out in Jurassic Park three where he's like, "There is no amount of money that could get me back on that island." And then next like, scene on a plane. <laughs> yeah, next scene he's on a plane. So Alan Grant wants that money. He needs it. He needs it. it. Paleontology is a is a hard thing. Guys, it is probably don't get as much. It's expensive to dig up dinosaur bones. They're always looking for money. Think about what's his name in uh, JP three. What was that? I was gonna say I watched that documentary that dinosaur thirteen. It's expensive. Yeah, it's (laughs) very expensive. Very pricey. Yeah. Oh, and that other documentary, Land Before Time two, very expensive. (laughs) You have no idea how much that cost. (laughs) You know, because you got to draw them and color them and all that stuff for sure. Um, well, we can't talk about characters, and we touched them. We touched them. We. T- I wish I could touch them. We've. You wish you could touch Owen. Wayne Knight, Dennis Nedry. Yes, yeah, specifically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just another phenomenal character. Uh, but like Jake said, everybody in that movie is on the top of their game. And like what this is what happens with really great movies when everybody's firing on all cylinders, it just brings everybody up to to another level. Um, because those kids, the kids in the movie, like I've seen them in other movies. They're not even that great. Mm. They're not good actors, but like, well, well, you know that, um, I I've seen people talk about this before, but like Steven Spielberg's really good with kid actors. And, uh, you know, if you think about all the other movies that he's done with kid actors, they're all really good. And they're, they're, they seem really natural in his movies. A lot of times you watch a movie with a kid and the kid just seems weird and has weird like grown-up dialogue that kid wouldn't say and um if you watch like the special features on the jurassic park blu-rays they talk about how steven spielberg spent a lot of time uh with the with the kids in jurassic park and talking to them about their roles and you know letting them mess around and improvise a little bit with you know just to find out what would be natural um and i and it worked out it does, yeah. Look at uh, Drew Barrymore. Her best role was when she was four years old in E.T. Exactly. Like, she Same kills thing. Loved move. her in E.T. So. Yeah. And then in, in Jaws, he worked with a young Robert Shaw. <laughs> 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 he got the most out of him. He got, yeah, he good. You know, he just let him do his thing, and he, he got that Indianapolis speech. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, because he was like seven in Jaws. <laughs> And then <laughs> it was early in his career. It was early. It was super excellent makeup. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're gonna have to do a Jaws episode. Oh, we're Jaws doing a Jaws episode. Yeah, it's happening. Uh, yeah. A Jaws episode. A Jaws episode. 
Justice all we're going to all we're going to talk about is Jaws 3. Yeah, that's, that's all. It. And every now and then I'm just going to chime in with a y'all know me. Y'all know I'm in a living. And Jake's going to go, Craig, quit screwing up the lines. You're making me look bad. <laughs> You're making me look bad. I isn't it that. weird? Hey, isn't it weird how like, okay, so there are four four Jurassic Park movies as of right now. There are four yeah. Jaws movies. And the third is the worst in both series. All right, everybody, there you have it. That was part one of two of the Yes Have Some podcast Jurassic episode. Uh, check us out on yeshavesomecast.com, facebook.com slash yeshavesomecast. You can also follow us on Twitter at YHSpodcast. I also did want to mention that this week, Abby and I were on the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip podcast. Uh, we had a great time. We talked with Troy. That's one of the best uh, Ghostbusters podcasts out there. Uh, it is the best. I'm going to go ahead and make that statement right there. Nobody's doing better work than Chris and Troy, so check that out. Find it on iTunes. Find them on Facebook. Uh, once again, that's the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Cross Rip. Until next time, thank you so much for joining us, and please, yes, have some. Yeah.